I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I hope you've been well, and I hope you took something helpful away from this week's Wednesday episode. Today, before I start, I need to speak with the relatively few women who listen to this podcast about something I think is important in regards to my mission with this podcast, which is, very simply, to bring the good philosophy of Stoicism to as many people as possible. So, men, you're free to listen to the next few minutes if you like, but you can also skip ahead. It will probably be three minutes worth of me talking. Women, I hope you will stick around because I really do need your help with this. The audience of this podcast is currently made up of 90% men and just 10% women. This concerns me because if my mission is as I have said it is, which is to bring practical interpretations of Stoicism to the masses, I'm doing a terrible job of it if I am not reaching women who make up something like 50% of all people on earth. And that appears very much to be the case. And of course, it is an uphill battle, because if you Google Stoicism, the first results you're going to find are either Silicon Valley Stoicism or Machismo Stoicism. And those two versions of Stoicism, first of all, aren't Stoicism of any depth or accuracy, and second of all, are usually quite off-putting to most women. But not to you. Not to the woman who searches Stoicism, finds this podcast with its fairly, I guess, masculine cover artwork and academic aesthetic, and decides, I want to listen to this, and then eventually decides, I want to keep listening to this. I need to know more about that woman, about you, because it is the only way I'm going to be able to devise a strategy to increase the female listenership of Practical Stoicism, which I again feel I absolutely must do if my mission is to change how people, not men or women specifically or separately, but people across the board, to change how people think. I want the philosophy of Stoicism and the practical version of it that I'm bringing to all of you on this podcast to help men, and I want it to help women as well, because why wouldn't I? I think that men and women need that sort of philosophical on-the-same-pagedness for the greater good, frankly. So there is a link in the show notes. It goes to a 10-question survey. It is completely anonymous. You don't need to provide your name or your email address or any other personally identifiable information. 
I am only asking for your insights so that I can try to understand what my female listeners look like demographically so that I can devise a marketing plan to reach more of them, more of women who are like you. So if you could take a few minutes out of your time today to fill out that survey, again, link in the show notes, you would be doing me a huge favor and you'd be helping me reach more women with practical stoicism. And I would greatly appreciate it. All right. So if you're fast forwarding because you didn't want to listen to that, this is where you can stop and we can jump right into today's meditation, which is absolutely the longest yet shared on this podcast. Here it is. Book four, meditation three. People try to get away from it all, to the country, to the beach, to the mountains. You always wish that you could, too, which is idiotic. You can get away from it anytime you like, by going within. Nowhere you can go is more peaceful, more free of interruptions than your own soul, especially if you have other things to rely on, an instant's recollection, and there it is, complete tranquility, and by tranquility, I mean a kind of harmony. So keep getting away from it all, like that. Renew yourself, but keep it brief and basic. A quick visit should be enough to ward off all stress and worry and send you back ready to face what awaits you. What is there to complain about? People's misbehavior? But take into consideration this, that rational beings exist for one another, that doing what's right sometimes requires patience, that no one does the wrong thing deliberately, and the number of people who have feuded and envied and hated and fought and died and been buried, and then keep your mouth shut. Or are you complaining about the things the world assigns you, but consider the two options, providence or atoms, and all the arguments for seeing the world as a city? Or is it your body? Keep in mind that when the mind detaches itself and realizes its own nature, it no longer has anything to do with ordinary life, the rough and the smooth, either one. And remember all you've been taught and accepted about pain and pleasure. Or is it your reputation that bothers you? But look how soon we're all forgotten. The abyss of endless time swallows it all. The emptiness of all those applauding hands, the people who praise us, how capricious they are, how arbitrary, and the tiny region in which it all takes place. The whole earth is but a point in space, and most of it uninhabited. How many people will there be to admire you, and who are they? So keep this refuge in mind, the back roads of yourself. Above all, no strain and no stress. Be straightforward. Look at things like a man, like a human being, like a citizen, like a mortal. Among these things you turn to, these as well that things have no hold on the soul. They stand there, unmoving, outside of it. Disturbance comes only from within, from your own perceptions. That everything you see will soon alter and cease to exist. Think of how many changes you've already seen. The world is nothing but change, and our life is only perception. Like I said, it's going to be a long one. This is also one of the few meditations where Marcus gets a little overly sanctimonious, in my opinion, and I'll have a decent amount to say about that because this is practical stoicism, not perfectionist stoicism. We're precoptons, after all, not sages, right? In this meditation, Marcus wants us to know that we're all capable of getting away without actually getting away, 
And that's a fairly common notion among philosophies, religions, or spiritual practices that encourage meditation or meditative reflection. The idea is that the mind can become a sanctuary, and if that's the case, your environment doesn't really matter, because you can always, regardless of your environment, escape into your mental sanctuary and be refreshed. But let's be real. That is not true. And it's something we've learned in the 2,000-plus years between Marcus's death and today. Today, we know that our environments trigger certain behaviors because we've habituated those behaviors, and that frequently, in order to change behavior, we need to physically remove ourselves from the environments that trigger those behaviors. A really simple example of this is when someone is trying to stop eating unhealthy food. Expecting a person on day one of that journey to be able to attend a Thanksgiving dinner with pies, candies, and all manner of sweet treats and remain strong enough not to give in to temptation is ridiculous. Anyone who has ever tried to make a big change in their lives is well aware that their resilience is terrible at the outset, but grows substantially with habit, with habituation. So let's look at this meditation of Marcus's under the scrutinizing microscope of practicality. Is it possible to retreat into your mind when the world is getting to be too much to bear? When your job has become overwhelming, when your kids won't stop misbehaving or making loud noises and running around the house, when your in-laws won't leave you alone, or when everything seems to be going wrong? Sure, it is possible. But is it possible immediately? No. Of course not. Human beings need downtime, and while that downtime might come in the form of a quiet 20 minutes of meditation in the morning for the Stoic who has been practicing Stoicism for a decade, it is very unlikely to come in that form for someone who has only been practicing Stoicism for a few hours or weeks or months. Think of it like training for a long-distance run or a marathon. You can't start your training without pacing yourself, without icing your legs some days, without needing to take a break in the middle of training because you've inadvertently overexerted yourself without meaning to, right? That sort of thing is pretty normative when we think about working out or training. And the same is true with what Marcus calls idiotic here. For Marcus, who has at this point in his life been the beneficiary of practically 50 years of Stoic practice, he was indoctrinated sort of into Stoicism as a child by his family and his tutors, sure, when the world is falling down around a man like this, a man like Marcus Aurelius, it may very well be enough to close your eyes, take 10 deep breaths, retreat into your inner mental sanctum, and emerge a few minutes later feeling genuinely refreshed and ready to go, as if every worry and stress has melted away. But for you? For me? Hell no. I've been a practicing Stoic since 2015, and I will tell you that while I can retreat into my mind for relief for many small to medium-sized things, when a big, huge, monster stress ball shows up in my life, I have absolutely got to get out of my environment and go somewhere where those stresses can't follow me, because I, like you, am no sage. Now, truth be told, after almost eight years of daily practice, I don't get into this state of needing to escape very frequently anymore because I have built up some considerable resilience. But I'd say I have to get out of town and into the mountains or into nature every two years or so, and if I don't, My stoic practice gets a little harder and a little harder 
until I do, that Marcus sort of conveniently forgets how long it has taken him to be as adept a practitioner of Stoicism as he is at this point in his life is a little more than annoying. And this meditation in particular is one we need not to take at face value because if we do, and many people do by the way, if we do, we wind up expecting far too much of ourselves as inexperienced Stoics. And when we expect too much of ourselves, we easily disappoint ourselves because we've set our bar far too high. And when we disappoint ourselves repeatedly, which will happen if we do not correct the mistake of expecting too much of ourselves, we will burn out and we will quit. I don't want any of you to quit your Stoic practice. So with that in mind, please take Marcus with a grain of salt here. And if you need to physically remove yourself from your environment to unwind or reset, definitely work towards not having to do that as frequently as you currently do, but never feel like that's a failure of your work as a Prokopton. There is more to this meditation, so let's keep working through it. What is there to complain about? People's misbehavior? But take into consideration that rational beings exist for one another, that doing what's right sometimes requires patience, that no one does the wrong thing deliberately, and the number of people who have feuded and envied and hated and fought and died and been buried, and keep your mouth shut. I'm not exactly sure if keep your mouth shut is a bit of creative translation by Hayes. It certainly seems a bit curt for Marcus, but this is generally good advice. If what you need a break from is the actions of others, it may help you to need breaks less often if you can recontextualize and shift your perspective by reminding yourself that your human job is to help other humans and thinking of other humans poorly isn't a very stoic thing to do. If that doesn't work, remember that people don't usually act wrong intentionally, and perhaps you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that will help. But if those things don't work, consider how ultimately inconsequential you, they, and your feelings are in the grand scheme of things. People have spent lifetimes hating and fighting only to die just the same. So what's the point of letting things get to you? Or are you complaining about the things the world assigns you? But consider the two options, Providence or Adams, and all the arguments for seeing the world as a city. Are you upset about your lot in life or by your current misfortune? Try reminding yourself that the world is either a world of Providence or a world of Adams. If it is Providence, then remember that the conscious cosmos only allows things to play out that will play out in a way that it views as the best and most logical. And if that's the case, be hopeful that things will work out well in the end. And, of course, with a conscious universe, that is the only way it can work out, right? So take solace in that. But if you are like me, an atheist or someone who has a hard time believing that kind of thing, a conscious cosmos, then the world is nothing more than atoms. And in that case, Remind yourself that there is no use in feeling bad about your lot in life because it is your lot in life. And what good is it to lament that which is? Instead, focus on how you can be a good Stoic in spite of your circumstances. And in either case, remember the benefit of seeing the world as a city, as your city, as a grand thing that you are a part of and have a responsibility to. Or is it that your reputation bothers you? But look at how soon we're all forgotten. 
the abyss of endless time swallows it all. The emptiness of all those applauding hands, the people who praise us, how capricious they are, how arbitrary, and the tiny region in which it all takes place. The whole earth is but a point in space, and most of it uninhabited. How many people will be there to admire you, and who are they? If you are concerned with what people think of you, ask yourself, why? What utility is there in that? Soon, you will be forgotten, regardless of what others think of you. So instead, ask yourself what you think of yourself, because you'll live with that answer forever, for your entire reality. What others think of you will eventually become lost to time, and certainly lost to you once you die. So why pay it any mind? Each individual is but an inconsequential, single being living on a piece of earth the size of a postage stamp, and all of that is floating in nothingness. Adopt that cosmic viewpoint, and perhaps your concerns about what others think of you will lessen, and maybe even completely fade away. I think the practical takeaway from this long meditation is, luckily, quite short. If you are stressed, Remove yourself from the environments which cause that stress, but not permanently. Retire to the woods or the beach or the mountains and reset. Regain your inner tranquility. But while you're doing this, keep in mind that this isn't the permanent solution. Escaping isn't the way to solve your stress. It isn't the way to solve your problems. But it helps when first learning how to manage and overcome those things. Then return to your environment refreshed and a little stronger. This time, try to resist the stress and the problems for a little bit of a longer period than before, before you escape again. Each time you return, you're a little stronger. Each time you're a little more resilient. And each time you're less stressed by the stressors present in those environments. That is progress. And progress is the way of the Prokopton. Thanks for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. I appreciate you being here every week. And if you haven't already, I would love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care. <laughs>